Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast, release date Sunday, the 22nd of January, 2023. Here be the chronicles of Rhodian royalty, my intrepid reader. I have traveled to a far distant land, far beyond any of our imaginations. I know not what awaits me on this barren, uncivilized concrete jungle, but this diary will serve as a document of the Rhodian Prince's adventures on planet Earth. A powerful god named the Doctor entrusted me to survey this alien race, placing me in one of their educational institutions to create this important report on their behavior. That's not working. It's maybe a little, um, pompous? Benji. Guten Tag. I'm Benji Clifford. He's Nick Briggs. This is Big Finish. Audio books, audio drama, and this podcast. All for the love of stories. It's true. In a moment, Benji and I will be chatting about bananas. Yeah. <laughs> And after that, in the Good Review Guide, known to some as the Good Review Guy, we're reviewing the reviews of the Doctor Who audio novel by former Doctor Who companion actor Matthew Waterhouse, Watchers. Behind them came the gold garlic. Then we go behind the scenes with this week's major release, the long-awaited return of the Doctor Who spin-off, Class. Out on Tuesday the 24th of January, a special episode entitled Secret Diary of a Rhodian Prince by Blair Mowat. Well, hello, my name's Cyril Unry, and um, I play the chair. Following that, we once again delve with heaps of gusto into listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. I wonder what heaps of gusto look like. Mm, interesting, interesting thought. Uh, also available this week, released on Thursday the 26th of January, the second in a superb Torchwood double whammy of Auton action, Double Two. Once again by that legend of the quill, Guy Adams. My name's Louise Jameson and I'm playing Roberta. Then the Round Avoid Selectatron will be delivering yet another mystery release with a 25% discount neatly attached to it. No idea what it is just yet, but let's project ourselves into the future for a teasing clip. That's your home planet. Yes. And finally, as you've come to expect, we round off the podcast with a free 15-minute drama tease. And this week, of course, it's yes. Class Secret yes. Diary of a Rhodian Prince by Blair Mowat. Hi. You need a paper bag. What? A paper bag. It's what they do in the movies. Now, Benji said we should discuss the price of bananas this week. It's very important, isn't it? So we're going yeah, to. It is. So, first of all, I'll start with, I got an email. There are a few emails, but here's one um, on the subject because the subject line is, in fact, bananas. I was so <laughs> delighted when I saw this going through. Bananas. But I thought, yes. Uh, Philip Bett writes in, and he says, Hi, Nick and Benji. Hi there. Hi there. I've just finished this week's podcast. You asked for the price of bananas, and he's sent uh, five banana emojis. <laughs> I love a lot of them as well. Yeah. Five, I said. But, but over and over again. Oh, I see. In between each paragraph, yeah, I was yeah. going to mention them each time as a special treat to our listeners. I've spoiled it. I'm sorry. Uh, 
Excitingly, retail banana prices are tracked by the Office for National Statistics. <laughs> That's in the UK, folks. As part of their inflation statistics. Here are the banana prices since 1971. Have you had a look at this, Benji? I've just got it up now. It's, it's very fast. Give, give us your analysis. So it's obviously incredibly low in 1971, where what is it? bananas are at 16 pence, no less. Uh, however, 16p. It, 16p, yeah, in 1970. Per banana. Per, I guess per banana. It says, yeah, it says bananas per kilogram. Oh, it's 16p so, per kilogram. 16p per kilogram, yeah. Well, so, I can reveal that they're 16p per banana now. But anyway. What a world. Well, you, you'd be having a pretty pretty good time for a while. It slowly goes up in price. What is it in 1985? Well, I'll get to that. In 1985... Oh. Uh, we reached the banana's average price of 101 pence. Um, Not to be confused with Dalmatians. Um, But (laughs) you'd be having a really poor time uh, when it comes to July 1991 when bananas reach a height of 126 pence. 126 Does it ever go down? Is it always going up? Yes. Well, no, no, because that that is a peak, you see. It's uh, Mm. there. But, however, if you just hold on and don't buy bananas for about five years or so... (laughs) In 1995, in November, um, bananas reached 68p. Wow. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah, they reach an yeah. all-time low. and uh, Well, not an all-time low, but the lowest it has been since its 1971 heyday, uh, after which bananas goes up and down and up and down and up and down, um, recently reaching its highest in 2020 at 99p. Mm-hmm. Its lowest since then has been April at 79p. And it's now sitting and in in the well, December uh, 2022. We're very up to date. You see, it's now 91p on average per, per kilogram. That's a very good analysis. I must admit, I've I thoroughly enjoyed doing that. Um, yeah. That's a good analysis of kind of where we're at banana wise. I imagine <laughs> you in front of a huge animated chart on the wall, you know, pointing to things. I like know. the 70s version where it's just it's just like a bit of you know like a sort of board behind me, and I've got a <laughs> stick. You know, I'm wearing a, a suit. And as you can see here, and then yeah, one of the magnetic things drops off. Uh, oh well. Oh, uh, uh, you know yes, I'm I mean. putting uh, bananas up. You say <laughs> we've put this into a series of pence. Said so, so. For example, four bananas will equal approximately forty p. So we'll start off twenty-one pence. Well, we'll put two bananas up here. And oh, hold on a minute. It just seems one of these bananas is is not quite sticking on the board. <laughs> um, somebody, curiously enough, somebody sent in a strawberry. Um, I don't know what that's there for. I'll just throw that away. But it's all, I love old telly like that. It's all very... Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? Um, the trouble is we're not going to be comparing like for like, are we? Because I, I've done a per per banana, what, a single banana thing. Interesting. Uh, later yeah. on. Uh, even more, and that, there's f- five more bananas uh, between the, this paragraph and the brilliant, next. Brilliant. Even more excitingly, wholesale banana prices... I think the word excitingly should be in inverted commas. Wholesale banana prices are separately tracked by the UK government, DEFRA. That's the Department of um, of something. Per, <laughs> Can't week, remember. per week. Yeah. Here is all the data from 1995 to the present per week. Gosh. You can, well, even, you can even, I mean, I can't open it because ironically. What does DEFRA stand for? I feel so ignorant now. DEFRA, it means um, don't eat uh, for frogs. Wrong. With a wrong artichokes. <laughs> artichokes. Let's have a look. Defra. De- uh, Department of Environmental Food and Rural Affairs. Thank you. You're very welcome. That is what I needed to know. 
Five more bananas. That was the weekly figures there. You'd have a look at that yourself. It's at, by the way, it's at www.gov.uk forward slash government forward slash statistical hyphen data hyphen sets slash banana hyphen prices. It's quite quite a catchy little, uh, little number URL there. there. Um, I don't know why bananas are treated specially like this. Uh, says Philip, who, remember, we're reading his email out. I know I started it uh, last week. <laughs> uh, but it's great if, like you, you happen to want to know the price of bananas. Five more banana emojis. It's important. Many thanks for all that you and the rest of Big Finish do. I'd say it helps to keep me sane, <laughs> but I've just written a long email about <laughs> banana prices. <laughs> Laughter emoji. Uh, what is the laughter emoji with a little bead of sweat on it? That's it's, you laugh so hard you've got very it's hard. Like, it's kind of like an awkward. <laughs> uh. All the best, Phil. Uh, now listen. By the way, I did a little check online in Waitrose. If you don't know what Waitrose is, if you don't live in the UK, uh, Wait Waitrose is kind of the top end supermarket, isn't it? It's the supermarket with ideas above its station. Definitely, you get coffee. Uh, I don't know if they still do it. I don't you think get a they've... free coffee, don't you? You get a coffee, yeah. If you just yeah. browse, you can just browse the coffee, which blows people's minds. I mean, um, I have to say, I'm sounding like I'm being disparaging about Waitrose, but I do love it in there. I love they it. Sell, yeah. They sell some lovely sort of luxury things, like really good pickled onions. That's not a hint to Julian Shortman, who still hasn't delivered any pickled onions to me. <laughs> uh, but, so in Waitrose, the essentials fair trade bananas are 16p each. Each, interesting. That's not too bad, to be honest. No, I mean, but when you think back to 1971, it was like, was it 21p for a kilogram? For a kilogram, yeah, you, 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 you laugh. I've, got, I've closed the window now, but I'll get it back up. Small trade, uh, sm- sorry, small trade, small fair trade bananas. 16 pence, sorry, 1971. Really? 16p yeah. per mm. banana? Oh, no, no, per kilogram. 16p per kilogram, yeah. There you go. Small fair trade bananas are 18.6p each. This is on the Waitrose website, so this is up to date. And the Dutchy Organic Fair Trade Bananas, that's the Duchy of Cornwall, I think, which is owned by, uh, that's Prince Charles, basically. King Charles. Um, King Charles, sorry. Actually, it would be the Prince of Wales, won't it? So it won't be King Charles. It's William now, now, isn't it? William, possibly. I mean, you sort that out, folks, all you uh, royal watchers listening to this podcast, because you know we're always talking about the royals. We're not talking about them. or any books they might write. Uh, the Dutchy organic fair trade bananas are thirty two point five p each. You really so there wonder, you are. That's, the royal that's family really coining it there. <laughs> <laughs> what you get for your your fair trade organic bananas? That's right. When you see um, when you see William in a nice suit, you just think, well, they're the straight was... bananas. You see, because if you if you don't buy organic ones, they go to a factory where people bend them. See, banana benders. Right. Okay. That's not true. <laughs> but you uh, questioned it for a moment. You that questioned. was one of the scare stories about the EU, wasn't it? When people were campaigning to leave that you know, they were making us have straight bananas. <laughs> yeah. All the nonsense that was taught. Essentials home ripening bananas are 19.4p each. But I just can't get over that. That Duchy of Cornwall organic fair trade bananas. 30, you know, twice the price. Of Twice the banana. price, yeah. For a In Morrison's, banana. which is the, the, the lower end of uh, you know, the cheaper, not as cheap as Lidl or, or Aldi or something like that, but Morrison's is this your everyday household supermarket. It's where we do our shop, actually. 
Uh, oh, God, I've just had a text from Steph saying that uh, lunch is ready. <laughs> I wonder whether it's banana soup. Um, so in Morrison's, ripe and ready bananas are 15.8p each. Nice. Morrison's snack size bananas are 16.5p each. And their, their organic fair trade bananas are 19.8p each. So quite expensive. I like the More idea that if you, if, if you want to fit a banana into your lunchbox, you have to pay an extra p for the privilege. Yeah. Like if you have a ready and ripe banana, it's like, I can't fit that in my lunch. Oh, I'm going to have to pay more to get it fit. I have to pay more for a smaller banana. <laughs> I have to say, my wife does buy the unripe ones because within a day they're ripe. So, do you know you, you should never put other bits of fruit near bananas? Uh, they do. Bananas, well, if you yeah. want another bit of fruit to ripen quickly, yes. put a banana by it. Yeah, it's very true. I wonder if that works for people. Maybe if, if the more bananas you have in your house, the quicker you age. You know, it's just an idea, isn't it, really? <laughs> that's um, it. That explains everything. That's, that's it. Well, I had a look um, in my local... Ni- if you could uh, nicer. an anti-banana, you could make people younger. Anyway, Anti-banana. This banana cancels out that banana. Um, well, I've got a shop near me, uh, the Nicer store. I always call it Nisa, but then I heard on the radio the other day that it's actually pronounced Nicer. But there, per, per banana, it's 45p, which is quite a, quite a pricey banana what? there. Yeah, 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 yeah. 45p. Interesting enough, I, and, and that led me to investigating. Uh, I just had to double-check that that was the same, and I've got the website up, uh, and it is the same. Uh, if you want to buy a lime, it's 40p, and if you want to buy a lemon, it's 40 They've kind of gone for the 40p, yeah. 45p for an apple, you know. £2.50 for grapes. Sorry, £2.40 for grapes. And then, for some reason, it says tamarind here, which you buy for three quid. Um, yeah, there we go. So that's bananas there. Sainsbury's, 78p for a bunch of bananas. Okay. So well, that's, you know, I can't get my... How many bananas in the bunch? Uh, I mean, I, I get... Four, la, la, is it? La, la, la. Four fair trade Bananas loose. How many bananas are in the picture? One, two, three, four. Looks like four bananas to me. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, keep them coming with your fruit facts, and uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll launch a, a banana-based revolution. Um, Nick, over to you. Yes, also, uh, I wanted to fit in Doctor Who words we mispronounced when we were young. So, for example, when I saw <laughs> Malcolm Hulk's name, uh, because of the E on the end, Malcolm Hulk, the creator of the Silurians and the Draconians and... Um, things uh and a brilliant writer one of my favorite doctor who writers yeah he's got h-u-l-k-e he's got e on the end of his name so i i I was really shocked when i heard people um saying mac hulk you know you'd hear terence dicks being interviewed and you'd say well mac hulk you know uh my mentor uh but the e on the end i always used to pronounce it hulk 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 malcolm hulk oh hulk it's really weird. And if you, uh, I saw uh, Paul Cornell on a, a DVD extra on the Silurians the other day, and he was more or less saying that. Shook. Sort of, it was a very strange way he was saying it. And also Eric Sayward, that was, I remember when he first became script editor, no one knew how to pronounce his name. Sward. Um, obviously, yeah, Sward, Sward, people used to say. Sward, Sward, yeah. They Sward. Never got it. And then, you know, of course, eventually... He must have told someone say words. <laughs> there you go. And I remember thinking, why? There's no why in it though. Say word. But anyway. Also, when I was very young, um, when I first saw the, saw the word conquer, as in Daleks conquering, 
I, I, because of the Q and the U, I was pronouncing it conquire. Yeah, but you would, wouldn't you? But you would, because it's... Well, I don't know why I was saying Aya. There's no I in it. But I kept going on to my uh, mum about the Daleks were conquiring all these planets. <laughs> and she just went, mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Not listening to it. And it wasn't until a few years later I discovered it was conquer. I thought, why didn't you correct me? Because she wasn't listening. Conquire. Con- I remember I found a... Um, when I was moving house, I, was, I found a load of VHS tapes that I'd obviously taped as a kid from UK Gold. And one of them had written on it, genocide of the daleks so obviously I, I clearly just, just just believed it was called genocide of the daleks and then i'd actually i actually put it in to see what what how old it was only to find that i taped over it because presumably i must have at some point bought the actual vhs yeah, yeah, release with with Sontaran experiment i taped over it with um day of the triffids I thought oh. so true to brand, so true, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, I haven't changed. That then that goes on to that story I always tell you that I don't acknowledge the first episode of Day of the Triffids because my tape began uh, on the second episode and it works perfectly without that first episode. Um, and it's so brilliant. yeah, it's that 1980s BBC one with John Dutine, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, the best, the best one. Yeah. And I think the only other one that I remember is for a while. Because uh, obviously, I learned the vast majority of my Doctor Who sort of knowledge was learned through the internet at a really young age when Doctor Who websites looked like, you know, the most primitive things known to man. Um, <laughs> and I remember thinking that. Uh, like rocks. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah like actual stone. Um, Delia Derbyshire, <laughs> I, I uh, used to think she was called Delia Delaware. Because there was the <laughs> Delaware opening theme, and for some yeah. reason, I just associated in like my my early mind. I sort of so I just assumed that that was like the some other version of hers. But of course, yeah, I just got it all muddled up. Yeah, um, isn't it funny though? You know, it's uh, Stephen Noonan who should be mentioned in this podcast. Uh, he he told me about how when he f- he only encountered Alpha Centauri. Uh, in the Monster of Peladon, he hadn't seen the Curse of Peladon. Right. In the Monster of Peladon, they referred to Alpha Centauri as the ambassador more than they say Alpha Centauri. So he, being very young, didn't know that ambassador was a was an actual job. He just thought the ambassador was the word that meant a big green egg-shaped <laughs> thing with a huge eye and lots of um, arms. But he got so a shock when, when he, he saw Monsters, Inc. Uh, so, yeah. So when he encountered someone referring to a real ambassador, he was just thinking, what? You know, what, like a, a big green egg-shaped head thing? <laughs> so imagine, the, you, you know, he thought it was a name like Dalek. Or, you know. Isn't it funny, though? You just as a kid, you, you just misconstrue things and read into things in a different way. Yes, yes, it is weird, isn't it? And especially as Doctor Who fans, all the stuff we used to read in Doctor Who books. Um, I'm sorry, Stephen, if I didn't quite get that anecdote correct, um, but please do write in to correct us. We're hoping at some point that Stephen Noonan will appear on the podcast. Oh, I'd love it, I'd love it. But what, what fun. He's got to get his technology, you know, up to date. Yeah, got to get his fax machine working and... Yeah. yeah, exactly. We're gonna. You're just <laughs> Stephen. Go. <laughs> anyway, I wholeheartedly um, agree. Uh, can I quickly mention release dates? You can. Um, years and years ago. In fact, when I first became executive producer, before that, we used to tell people exactly when things were coming out. But we were only we only did CDs then, and CDs are at the mercy of all sorts of variables that we're not in control of. And it's usually it's the press implant. Uh, and the uh, the delivery service. 
So it's two things, actually, not all sorts of things. Uh, and sometimes we'd be a bit late sending something, but the pressing plant would say, no, 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 we can get that ready for you in time, and then it wouldn't be ready in time. Or sometimes it'd be ready really early, and because of things being the way they are in the warehouse, they wanted to get them out early. So I said, what we keep doing is announcing stuff and then failing to deliver on the right date, and it's just irritating people. I said, so let's just tell them the month it's coming out, and then it'll just be a bonus when it turns up. Which, Smart. you know, it's, it's annoying as well as smart, I think. Um, and, but recently, it's because of the pandemic, we started doing digital first, which I think is a good idea. So the before, it was like uh, politically, with a very small P, a nightmare for us to release a download first because all the people who bought CDs said, oh, stop talking about it on social media because I haven't heard it yet because I'm waiting with a CD. That, that concern seems to have died down. I'm sure it still exists. But people now accept that the download comes out and, you know, because of all sorts of delivery issues during the pandemic, sometimes the CDs were months late, but the, the downloads were out there. And we're still con uh, continuing with the um, digital first policy. And so I said, why don't we tell people release dates? Because then that then they can build up to that moment. And, you know, or, you know, and I think it's a it's a lovely anticipation thing. And sometimes people just like to know the date something's coming out because some people don't order things until they do come yeah, out. That's fair. So yeah. they can plan their budget and everything. Now, our website does not have the facility to do that <laughs> but i have decided unilaterally to start mentioning uh release dates on the podcast you may have noticed but i think the last couple of weeks i've actually said the dates or benji said them i've written them in the script for us to read out so that's why i do it so if you want to know the actual release date of a big finish download this tell all your friends this is the place to come the big finish podcast which you can find on all your favorite podcast services and including bigfinish.com plus you'll come away with with little bits of extra knowledge like you know you now have an encyclopedic knowledge of banana prices so <laughs> it's not just about release dates it's it's a whole range of knowledge you're so right next on the knowledge list it's the good review guide finding the latest <laughs> positive comments about big finish productions to help recommend them for you As promised this week, we're looking at the Doctor Who audio novel written and read by Matthew Waterhouse, better known as 4th and 5th Doctor companion Adric, to you. <laughs> and it's called Watchers. From Big Finish Productions. Exterminate! Doctor Who, the audio novels, Watchers. This Dalek ship was smaller than most. Some kind of experimental ship? Were these Daleks researchers, like the Trolka? Probably. It was wise during dangerous early trials to put as few as possible into harm's way, even for the Daleks. The Daleks had long been obsessed with the conquest of time. They tried often. Maybe there were other Daleks here in the hulk of lost ships, earlier or later failures. Tharvez stood in silence, fuming, and yet feeling for these eerie, gliding killers a sort of admiration. They certainly knew something about discipline. The universe could use more of this kind of discipline. Leaders strong and unforgiving. The lead learning respect. Under other circumstances, he could imagine working with them. He looked at the space where his gun arm had once been. They were the enemy, and he would show them no quarter. And if, 
when he got the chance to destroy them. In their final moments, they would bitterly admire him, as he bitterly admired them now. They went some way round the circular corridor into the main control room. It was ovular and dotted with machinery. The six white Daleks encircled the three prisoners. The gold Dalek spoke. You are the one called the Doctor. Your faces are recorded in the memory of the Daleks. We do not forget. You have tried to interfere with our plans before. You have always failed. Not always, said the Doctor with a toothy grin. Our creator, Davros, knew of you. You tried to exterminate the Daleks. You failed. As always, you failed. We emerged stronger than ever. Now you will assist us. Must I? We will punish these creatures if you do not do as we instruct. Why not let them go? Why destroy them? Not destroy, punish. They will suffer. You are sentimental. You will work with us to stop their suffering. Will I? Escort them to the time engine. We obey! Two of the white Daleks pushed the Doctor and the Trulka back into the corridor, on the other side of which were several more doors. Behind them came the gold Dalek. The nearest door phosphoresced open, and they all went through, into a small room thick with technology. In the centre stood a structure of some glassy substance, completely surrounded by an ovular control panel. The design had an echo of a TARDIS. Had they at some time used one as a model? Had they pulled it apart to find its secrets? Had the Time Lords unwittingly showed the Daleks the way into the Vortex? We have entered the Time Stream successfully, but we have been unable to escape it. Our machinery is perfect. There is no error in the design. You must adjust the engine so that we can leave the Vortex. I'm not an expert on these things. Think of me as a taxi driver. I can make a car nip around corners, but don't ask me to build one. You lie. You are the Time Lord of Gallifrey. Not a very important one. You lie. You know this technology. You understand it. The gold Dalek swiveled. Take these others to the holding cell. I obey. Big finish. We love stories. People who have lots of watches, that's, isn't it? Rolexes, yeah, you know, Casios, yes. yeah. Uh, just go to bigfinish.com and type watches into the search pane at the top to find this one. Oh. Well, first up, it says here aminoapps.com, and that means that it is one of the amino apps, but I don't know which one it is. They've got millions of them. Oh. But Sleepy Techno Kid says the synopsis makes it seem like it's complicated, but the plot is easily understandable. But like I said, there is a lot of ideas being tossed into this. Most of them are related to the Time Lords and of course the concept around the Watchers. But can't say much 
as it is telling. I really did enjoy this one and I'm looking forward to the next one in July. I will give this 8.5 out of 10. Uh, thank you, Sleepy Techno Kit. I give your review uh, a big kiss. Um, BigBluePodcast.co.uk. <laughs> Jordan Shortman, uh, not related to Julian Shortman, who's still defaulting on his uh, pickled onion delivery. Uh, watchers might seem intimidating with a nearly five-hour runtime. Oh, I'm intimidated by time. But it's highly enjoyable, and I'd encourage anyone to go and listen to it over a few days. It's only five hours. That's not even a whole day. Uh, from the strong prose to the strong narration, everything about this story is enjoyable. It is a shame it will never see print in book form. There would be another Doctor Who bestseller on our hands. Oh, it's an audio book. Um, yeah, Matthew Waterhouse, fantastic reader. Really is brilliant. SciFiBulletin.com, Alastair Stewart says, absolutely not the Adric story you expect. Oh. Absolutely the Adric story he and we deserve. Combining trauma response and courage with epic scale science fiction, surprisingly continuity beats and the fourth doctor at his peak. Excellent stuff, nine out of 10. Yeah, you see, Alistair's got a lovely turn of phrase, hasn't he? Mm, I enjoyed reading yeah, that. Yeah, I, very I much mean, so. in the same class as Tony Filer, really. Mm, yeah, excellent. Yeah. Yes. Flyer. I had to mention him, even though we don't have one of his reviews here. Yeah, what's he, Tony, what why didn't doing? you review Watchers? Get, get back up. Uh, there we go. Watchers, Doctor. Um, <laughs> Crinoid Roots. I love that as a name. At Crinoid Roots on, on Twitter. I love that. Crinoid mm, Roots. That's a, a good, good title, isn't it? A good, solid title, that one. It's a, a brilliant addition to the Doctor Who universe! Exclamation mark. It brings new and exciting ideas to Time Lord society while also having a very compelling plot involving abandoned time machines. Never knew how brilliant Matthew M.W. Matthew Waterhouse, I think he means, was as a writer. Yeah, it was brilliant. Brilliant. And I hope he writes again for this range, 9 out of 10. I think he's writing something else. If, if it's not... Yeah, anyway, brilliant. Brilliant. I mean, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. Audio sirens uh, say here... Um, I don't know why I assume there's more than one audio siren. Well, it says sirens, I guess. It does, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've been getting a load of Doctor Who audio novel Watchers by Manetta Lane. That's Matthew Waterhouse today. Matthew does a great fourth Doctor in his reading. Beautiful imagery and sound design. Great job on that, Nigel Fares. This is a must-have big finish range for me. Excellent. What a way to end our good review, Guy. And that's it from Guy this week. Uh, next time, we'll be talking about the worlds of Blake 7, the Terra Nostra, and Torchwood, Caddock Point. Not to be confused with Haddock Point, which is oh, yeah. where, where it's fishy. Of, yeah, yeah, quite fishy. Still to come on the podcast, listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com are behind the scenes feature on Torchwood Auton Adventure Double Two, plus the Randomoid Selectatron, as random as ever, giving you a 25% discount on an audio adventure you just didn't expect. Wow. I'm just still laughing about the Haddock joke because I'm sure that when we covered Caddock Point before, I th I'm sure we made the same rubbish joke. Of course, of course so, we did. It's just the way, the way our minds Apologies work. to all involved. It is a brilliant release. Uh, but first, it's uh, out this week on Tuesday, the 24th of January. Remember, I am mentioning these release dates. Tuesday, the 24th of January. Mark it in your calendar. So let's delve behind the scenes with Class, Secret Diary of a Rhodian Prince by Blair Mallet. Oh, well. 
Hello, my name's Cyril Unri, and um, I play the chair of the governors. How did playing that role come about? Well, that role came about um, because of the lovely Patrick Ness. And um, I have known Patrick for a long while. Um, and um, I think in the first script um, that I was sent, he he had the chair and he had the words played by Cyril Unry or somebody like him. <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, so um, yeah, and I think that was I think that was a first in my life. It was a sort of Desert Island Discs moment of you know finally making it. It was the height and also the point at which I knew my career can only go down from here. I've been mentioned in a script, you know. Well, it was really lovely because even this script said um, played by Cyril Henry. So it was, it was like a, yeah, it was a, a revisit to my, the glorious heights of my career. <laughs> and I think at that point there was talk of um, him being back a lot more. And um, so we didn't quite know where he was going. But you didn't want to sort of close it off. And um, so you just left all the possibility. I had been up for something else in the Doctor Who world. And um, it's really the writers, you know, um, those, those forgotten people who actually, you know, create the gold. And um, Russell, it was in the actual Doctor uh, series. And, um, and I couldn't do it. And um, then something else came up. And then finally, they they contacted my agent and said, um, "It's it's still in the Doctor world, but it's the Sarah Jane's Ventures, which is more sort of towards you know the children's market." And um, yeah, but would Cyril consider? And um, and I said, um, "It's Russell T Davis. Of course, I'd consider. Yes, that's a yes immediately. You know, um, yeah." Because, yeah, Russell is one of those sort of heroes of my life, um, you know, even from afar. Weeping Angels, um, actually just looking down at the twisted body, uh, that, was, that was my fond memory. It was also the fact that um, I think it was one of the first times that I had worked with a, um, a drone. Because I don't know whether you remember the scene, but I'm quite high up looking down at, um, down in her body is sort of, yeah, splayed in a in a funny way and so that being on set with all that sort of stuff going on and you know you're in the doctor's world and it's it's just exciting to film it's just i mean i have been a doctor who fan since yeah tom baker you know that was my era so i am totally immersed in the world and i now have kids who are immersed in the world and throughout the whole of well pretty much the whole of russell's um period Myself and my eldest child um, watch avidly pretty much anything to do with the Doctor's world. You know when you tick off those things that your kids are going to be really, really proud of? They suddenly stop talking about you as though you're, a, um, you're just that pain, you know, and you suddenly become kudos and you're saleable in the playground and, uh, yeah, and you're the cool dad and people want to meet you. <laughs> and yeah, so I suddenly became a little cool in the eyes of my kids. You know, it's like, I, th I think that's, yeah, it's better than an Oscar even. 
but don't tell the Oscar Academy. Yeah, don't tell. The, don't tell them that I said that. Hi, I'm Greg Austin, and I'm playing Charlie Smith. Hi, I'm Jordan Renzo, and I'm playing Mateusz. Yeah, no, we're having a great time. We're having a blast <laughs> are, back here. Yeah. Um, it's re- I just love this character, and I love being a part of the show, and I love everything to do with Big Finish. Um, so the fact that they keep bringing us back to do more stuff really just keeps getting me through the day. So I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. It's something to look forward to. I think um, a lot of artists or artistic people look for a sense of community, and that's what this show has provided beyond anything else, is that truly I've made great friends, and it's knowing that it, I can come back and get another chance to delve into it and find out why Quill is just a jerk or an alien. or But it just it makes sense for us, I think, and um, it's just a sweet, safe place really? for us. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun getting to go back and like fill in some more of the spaces in between the episodes from season one. It'd be like our improvs when we were shooting kind of thing. This yeah. is like all the improvs we might, we've had or might have had in the trailers on the way in uh-huh. between the scenes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that little book you kept. A uh, little book I've kept, I'm which sure. I have somewhere, which I think is I that, should... Does that still exist? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Jordan had a, a book on set that was just filled with this sort of stuff, all different extra context that he just created in his own yeah. beautiful little mind. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure if you flicked through that, you'd see some of what we should, we're seeing we should here today. It. Oh, you should, yeah, yeah. That's a piece of history. Mm. It is chocolate. It's like 300 pages of love letters to Charlie. It was thick. Uh, yeah, illustrations going into the Cabinet of Souls all the way up into Detained and uh, Polish... Um, dialect stuff and yeah. phrases to throw in there. And Jordan did more work than any of us. <laughs> well, everyone else was doing it in their own voice, you know. I had to do a little, you know, just saying. It's definitely harder for you. <laughs> just go to bigfinish.com to find this one. Type Rodian, R H O D I A N, into the search pane at the top. And remember, it's released this week on Tuesday, the 24th of January. Oh, write that into shut up, Briggs. Meanwhile, <laughs> it's time for listeners' emails. And you can write that down too if you want. Listeners' <laughs> email. Like at the top, you know, you write down the date. Yep. You say that's the 22nd yeah. of the 1st, 2023. Underline it with a ruler. Uh, and if you want to send it in, you can. You can send it to podcast at bigfinish.com. Uh, that's what Ian Benson did with the subject podcast. Uh, says here, oh no, that wasn't the subject. The subject was there are only seven stories. Dear Nick and Benji, uh, <laughs> there was mention in your last podcast on John Dorney's massive body of work. Uh, but <laughs> John it's not Dorney's John... massive body. I saw John Dorney the other day on Zoom. He didn't look that massive. No, he didn't. Yeah, well, there we go. Perhaps there's a filter, you know. Perhaps he's got a real life filter as well. You know, uh, but it's uh, not just John. Between all, uh, be- between all its writers, uh, Big Finish as a whole has produced a humongous body of work. By my count, there are well over one thousand Doctor Who stories alone. They're not around there together. Yeah, they're all together in ranges, aren't they? Of course, two thousand five hundred across all the ranges. Wowza! Wow. Uh, given the literary, given the literary world. Uh, 
believe there to be only seven stories, uh, how often do writers unintentionally come up with an outline, only to be told along the lines of, sorry, the fifth doctor did that back in 2007. <laughs> um, do you automatically check each new story against a big computer database of key plot points to make sure nothing repeats too obviously, or is it just the job of one person to remember everything that has gone before? Regards, Ian Benson. Mm. Well, I just want to say what are the archetypes that the, the seven stories, okay? Uh, one, overcoming the monster. This is a story of a terrifying, life-threatening, seemingly all-powerful monster who the hero must confront in the fight to the death. That's like every Doctor Who story. Two, Rags to Riches, a story of a humble, uh, disregarded little hero or heroine who is lifted out of the shadows to a glorious destiny. The Quest, a story in which a hero and his or her or their companions go through a succession of terrible, often near-fatal ordeals. Often they receive guidance from friendly helpers. Uh, four, Voyage and Return, a story where an individual or group of travellers out of their familiar, everyday, normal surroundings, go into another world completely cut off from the first. Uh, five, comedy, stories that historically revolved around confusion such as mistaken identities and precarious situations played for laughs, often involving a main character who, against all odds, finally achieves the happy ending. Six, tragedy, stories that typically feature a protagonist becoming more and more ensnared in their predicament, often an incomplete, egocentric figure who meets a lonely and violent end uh, due to making... <laughs> <laughs> like Piers Brosnan, due to making the <laughs> wrong choices. And seven, Rebirth, a story that marks the move from one universal pole of existence to the other, from death to life, in showing how a character moves from an imprisoned or trapped state to freedom and renewal. Now, isn't that brilliant? I loved reading that. That's very makes interesting. makes me want to go and write some scripts. <laughs> Rags to riches to renewal. Great, isn't it? So, um, there isn't a massive uh, computer database there is me one of my major functions at big finish as creative director is to read all storylines and quite often i think to myself this we have done this before but it is presented in such a different way here i think it's allowable um and also the last time it was done was five years ago and also it's a different Doctor, the characters are different. I mean, there are so many stories that are similar. There's one that I wrote called um, uh, Destroy the Infinite, which is really, when we did a story later, with it's a Tom Baker story, a sort of space war story. And there's a story that Andrew Smith wrote called The Quest of the Engineer. And when we were doing it, I said, do you know, this is kind of like Destroy the Infinite. <laughs> Yeah. With a slightly different twist on it. But so that's, I make a decision based on that. I, sometimes I'll say, I think this is so similar to something. But normally, because the circumstances of the story, I mean, you can transplant, you know, the plot of a movie. This is one of John Dorney's favourite things. He takes a movie plot and then transplants it into a completely different setting. And that setting necessarily starts changing it. And so that by the end of it, even though it was inspired by that, you'd kind of never guess. Yeah, so, and that works. It works very yeah. well for Doctor Who. But that's that, Mr. Benson, is is what happens. Does that... Very clever. Very yeah. clever. 
I'm not Mr. Benson, but I'm I'm also saying very clever, very. <laughs> I, I'm going to call you Mr. Benson from now on, Mr. <laughs> Benson Clifford. <laughs> um, right, next up, a very long email. I may not get to the end of this, um, but it's from uh, Clive Lewis, who was so desperate to get this in. He sent it to Big Finish and to my personal podcast address which used to be the benji and nick shows address anyway uh yes it's called new ideas for podcast segments we did ask didn't we and now we we've did. got both barrels from um from clive who i don't think is entirely taking the matter seriously are you appalled by that uh, i i certainly am no i'm not i don't <laughs> think we take the matter that seriously to be honest felicitations mrs briggs clifford and bob from behind the fridge now that is I hope, I, I hope he's just known as Bob Bob from behind the fridge. You know, like when people say, like, Sally next door or, you know. Did I do... Bob from behind the fridge, didn't I do him... That was when Paul Sprague was presenting the... Uh, that must have been, yeah. Because I used to go, oh, yes, yes. And Paul would just go, no, Nick, it's you doing a stupid voice. <laughs> he wouldn't that's have a, it. That's a throwback. <laughs> I'm emailing in response to your request for suggestions of new podcast segment. And as such, I'm listing them b- below for your approval. Uh, big finish with two ends. Reviews of classic or new releases by people from Finland. Alternatively, sections of script translated into Finnish with Nick and Benji trying to guess what's going on. <laughs> uh, Briggs or Spriggs are these facts, anecdotes about Mr. Nicholas Briggs or Elizabeth Spriggs, who's a famous actor. For example, who won the Olivier Award for Best Supporting Actress in 1978? Oh, that's got to be Briggs. <laughs> well, yeah, but which, though? Uh, oh, I see you, Briggs. Yeah, sorry, it's Spriggs. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, from Paradise Towers. What's that? That's oh, yes, oh, that's Spriggs, from Elizabeth yeah. Spriggs yeah. was in. Well, she's from many other things. Anyway, uh, Clifford's, Clifford's Richards. <laughs> Benji takes time each week to talk about his favourite people called Richard, or with a surname <laughs> Richard. And of course, we allow Terence Dix. Of Dick <laughs> yeah, well, of course, of course. Taskmaster. He is the master and you will obey him. Uh, who will take on this week's challenge head to head and be crowned this week's master of tasks? <laughs> Like, that's rubbish. Uh, hi, hi there or low there. Or low where? Low where? Low I don't know. So you think you know how many copies of The Wrong Doctors were sold globally? Well, is high there or lower than the number of cars per year that park in the big Finnish <laughs> car park which has become famous on Twitter for having photographs of actors there and is high there or lower than the amount of big Finnish lunches served in December 2018 a high octane game show hosted by Tim Trelaw and Daisy Ashford commission that's, it commission it that's the third doctor and Liz Shaw uh, Jackie Emery's boards uh, <laughs> Emery boards are small flat long abrasive and flexible used for fingernail and toenail care they're used by manicurists to shape and smooth the nail during manicure and pedicure sessions uh, Jackie Emery takes over hosting duties to run through the latest news reviews and technical advances from the world of Emery boards and foot care <laughs> Jackie Emery is um, uh, she sets the the, the um Random voice electrical. It's easy for me to say, isn't it? Jackie is, of course, the content manager at Big Finish, and one of her responsibilities is sorting out the random voice electrical. Briggs Wigs. 
What fantastic comedy characters can Mr. Briggs come up with using a hilarious array of different amusing wigs? Fun for all the family is guaranteed. Works brilliantly on audio. Yeah. A big finish for the love of Tories. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, Benji and Nick run through a top ten each week of their favourite members of the Conservative Party, living or dead. Each week, listeners can try and predict who will be number one. Do you know what? Um, you can probably gather from some of my prejudices that I won't be doing that. Uh, big finish for the lavatories. Now, this is one that I am very invested in. Are you? Would you like to read it out? Certainly will, yeah. So it says here, uh, we know and love the big Finnish car park, but what about the lavatories? Oh. What stories and anecdotes can be revealed about the big Finnish lose? Love it. Um, also, Benji presents a serialised exclusive audio series, The Complete and Utter History of the WC, featuring the dramatic forecast reconstruction of key moments in toilet history. Um, this will be a favourite with all the kids. Yeah, well, I, I can, I can sit and and rattle on for hours about the benefits uh, and the great loss to our country that we have now pretty much don't have the high level system. Um, just real, really sad, really sad. And one right, day we will go back. One day. Well, the the system that's high on the wall. Yeah, it's such an obvious, such an obvious, obvious invention that to use gravity. For water pressure yeah but i did tell you about my high level system that in this very old house i own it's probably, i've used it yeah well you were lucky and so was i because <laughs> oh. when we got it replaced with the low level one we found that it was only being held up by the pipe the wall brackets had rusted and rotted and were not holding it on the wall and that thing was like it was solid iron so any one of us at any point sitting on that loo could have had our heads stoved in (laughs) by your your fabulous high level system so i'm instinctively really frightened i think if i go into a loo now and it's got a high level system i'm gonna have to prod it to see how steady because that thing when we realized the the plumber just said that could have just fallen on you at any moment You see, I'm the opposite. You see, I'll take I'll take my chances, and if I go that way, then I'll be I'll, I'll think brilliant. That's that you know that's one way I'd like to go. I can I think, think of I worse. I took a picture of it, didn't I, in the garden? Yeah, and sent you, it you to did, you. I said, yeah. look at this. This could have landed on our heads. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, but you're right though. The the one the replacement one we've got is rubbish compared terrible, to terrible. It. Terrible. It's it's. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not going to sit and and discuss the differences between high level system. And our newer counterpart. Fair but, but, I, but I can say that it is uh, it is a crime. Uh, it's one of the, the uh, British systems, one of the greatest inventions we've ever made. And it is a crime that we uh, no <laughs> well, longer we found have it. Benji's passion subject. I would just like to mention a, uh, a, a WC anecdote. Interesting <laughs> name. Uh, my name's Anecdote. WC <laughs> Anecdote. Um, Katie Manning locked herself in the loo when we were doing a third Doctor adventure at the Sound House. I'm not and surprised we were, at all. We were, we were having lunch and we were sitting there and we were going, where's Katie? We haven't seen her for quite a while. Where is she? And then uh, Tim Trelaw, his phone blinked, he went, oh, let's have a look. Ah, she's locked herself in the loo and we all laughed. And he went, no, seriously, she had, she's just texted me <laughs> to say, can you get me out of the loo? So we had to go and force the door. <laughs> It's that sound said, house. I said, how long have you been in here? She's been in there for about half an hour. She said, well, I didn't like to disturb you having your lunch. So I said, what did you do? She said, oh, I just sat here and thought about things. <laughs> Bless her. I love her. Oh. I love her. Um, Benji Absolute and I have been working icon. on some third Doctor adventures, haven't we? 
and she's giving a particularly marvellous performance. Fantastic. Thoroughly enjoyed editing that one. Just so lovely. A joy. Jason The Hague Ellery. Interesting. Um, The beloved BF chairman hosts a documentary-style travelogue about the international city of peace and justice. The Hague has been known for more than a century as a place where countries gathered in peace conferences and international courts to foster peace through justice rather than through war and conflicts. Yes, I think um, Jason is ideal for that. Uh, The Briggs Boson, option A. Channeling his inner Dalek scientist, Mr. B reveals all about the sometimes called Higgs particle. Not the Briggs. Higgs boson, the Briggs boson. An elementary particle in the standard model of particle physics produced by the quantum excitation of the Higgs field, one of the fields in particle physics theory. Nick will educate and entertain all the family. (laughs) Yeah, people will love that. The Briggs boson option B. All aboard the SS Big Finish as we go sailing on the seven seas of laughter. It's all hands on deck as we join the Big Finish gang as they take inspiration from the Navy Lark. Full cast audio hilarity ensues as Boson Briggs is in charge of the deckhands. Boson Briggs undertakes the role of organising deck operations and maintenance equipment with hilarious consequences. Features Sylvester McCoy as the captain and Stephen Noonan as the cheeky second officer who's full of innuendos. (laughs) (laughs) Buck up! Uh, One time um, catchphrase on the podcast still used as... um, yeah, demonstrated earlier in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Still use use as the code word. A mashup of Disney's Up and Buck Rogers in the 25th century, starring Jill Gerard in the title role and Erin Gray as Colonel Wilma Deering, with Nicholas Briggs as Carl Fredrickson, who inflates 10,000 helium balloons to lift his home from its foundation and into space <laughs> in the 25th century. Russell, Benji Clifford, That's a me. young wilderness explorer becomes an unintentional stowaway in his effort to earn his final merit badge for assisting the Alderney. I, I, I'm always trying to get that badge. Well, you assist me quite well, so well done. I think <laughs> I, I count as elderly now. Uh, uh, how's the stairlift? I, I, I put the oh, brackets fine, in the other day. Fine, yeah, yeah, mine, here you go. I'd love a stairlift, actually. Bendy Clifford. <laughs> How low can Bendy Clifford go as he limbo dances around the Big Finish offices? All depends this, on how much sangria I've had. Um, <laughs> this list is getting more and more desperate and weird, isn't it? Uh, the BFG, uh, Big Finish Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the centenarian that lives in the flat above Big Finish Towers? Mystery, intrigue and tales of her lifetime of adventures will enthrall young and old alike. It's Charlie Pollard, I think. That's what I do. Uh, Forward, forward. (laughs) In memory of the late, great Paul Sprague, who used to say, going forward, forward. Yeah, brilliant. Um, A version of Call My Bluff where team captains Benji Clifford and Cheryl Bryant, who's runs our uh, warehouse and sales try to outwit each other and identify if a word is true or false okay, bring it on that. Cheryl <laughs> uh, Big Finish Day Simon Day of The Fast Show assumes his alter ego of Dave Angel to interview the great and good of Big Finish recorded in live sessions at Quad Derby I'm sure Simon Day would really be up for that uh, <laughs> especially if he goes into his character of Tommy Cockles that was one of my favourites <laughs> That's right, uh, Tommy Cox. Um, sing a ling your molecules. 
I'm always going on about tingling monocles. Well, I used to anyway. Uh, well, it's the end of the show and we know what that means. It's time for the big finish. Benji and Nick present this week's fabulous all-star song and dance number in the style of classic Morecambe and Wise. All together now. We'd be Thank good you. at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would we? Well, we'd give it a go. Well, I was going to sing, you know, when we were talking about bananas, yes, we have no bananas. Can you sing that? Yes, we have no bananas. <laughs> we have no bananas today. What are the other words, do you think? I don't know. All I can think of is, I like bananas because they got no bones. <laughs> Which is old, um, that, what's his name? Uh, George Formby. George, George Formby. Yeah, that's it. I wonder if we can find the lyrics for, yeah. Oh, God. There's a fruit star in Lana Street. It's run by a Greek and he keeps good things. To- oh, what does what he say? What is it? Where's the bit with you? Yes, we got a no bananas. No banana, no banana. I tell you what, uh, got a no banana today. I sell a you no banana. That's not the song, is it? It also sounds borderline xenophobic, frankly. Right. Um, well, that's about all my ideas, says Clive. I think that's enough, Clive. Uh, I hope that they raised a smile. I'm exhausted, frankly. I think we need. Uh, I think we need one at the moment. You're absolutely right about that, and that you took them in the spirit they were intended. Are, are absolutely. They <laughs> yes, they're real, of course. Uh, thank you so much for the constantly entertaining podcast and the superior quality of everything you and Big Finish do. He's still spelling it with two N's. Ah, love it, <laughs> Finland. <laughs> Can't wait to hear the 60th anniversary epic series Once and Future. Oh, that's very exciting. There'll be a trailer for that coming out soon. TTFN and Toodle Pip. TTFN stands for Tata Half an Hour. If you didn't know, folks. Clive Lewis. Well, I'm just going to have a lie down. Thank you. Well done, Clive. Superb email. We got one here as well from Mark Ellis. Subject, this email is titled. Um, and I like this. It just looks so pleasing to my eye. Uh, it says, hi there, with two sparkle emojis Ooh. either side, which is my favourite emoji. A little sparkly is it? stars. I've never used yeah, that. It's my favourite emoji. Hi yeah. there. And it says, hi there. And it's all been sort of spaced out, so it really fills a good gap. Uh, it says, crikey, Nick. This is a long one. Well, good job. I'm reading this. Nick's currently in intensive care after reading the last one. Um, Hello, gents. Uh, I wanted to send in my thanks for your glorious podcast. I discovered it, as so many did, during the long months of lockdown. And we just thought we'd make it feel even longer for you. Um, uh, Being a completionist, I'm a Doctor Who fan. Of course I'm a completionist. Uh, Is completionist a word? I believe it is. No, maybe it should be complete a file. Um, Probably not. Um, I found myself compelled to go back through and listen to your back catalogue. At one point, you were disparaging of anyone who could listen to audio drama at double speed. And quite right, too. It would ruin the whole atmosphere of the story. Podcasts, however, are different things altogether, and in order to catch up as quick as I could, I did confess that I did have you on double speed. Well, joke's on you, because I'm going to read this at double speed, and then you won't be able to understand it, you see. No, I won't do that. Um, Now that I've caught up, I've started listening to you at normal speed. But since it's not what I'm used to, so, sorry, I'm just messing with you. Um, it rather has the effect of making you sound slow, confused, and to be honest, a little drunk. 
Well, I'd be worried because we started at 11 o'clock so in the morning, so um, even the pubs aren't open at that time. Well, Weatherspoons probably is. Um, it's <laughs> quite amusing, so thank you. And I should say, putting the Randomoid Electron music at double speed does give that segment quite a different vibe. Must oh, be like a market stall out there. Okay, yeah, get it 25% off, get it 25% off. Here you go, got this release here, it's all this, blah, 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 sold. Well, yeah, I mean, the music, I wonder what. Uh, yeah, that, because it's, I do, I put music on that's a sort of French. French. Accordion music. Yeah, I know the, I know the very music. So it must be ultra, it must be like sort of French dance music. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, anyhow, it says here, not anyway, to business. Um, you recently asked for suggestions of what to include in the podcast, and mm. I'd love to some, I'd love to suggest some little interviews with some of your behind-the-scenes staff, by which I mean people other than the creative teams. Your chats and behind-the-scenes features with actors, writers, directors, producers, composers, and sound designers are a true delight. Um, but what about occasionally hearing about the other roles within the big Finnish offices? I'm sure the staff are a delight and have some cracking tales to tell. Am I moved to say this because I'm looking to get into the audio industry and want to get an idea of what administrative and business roles are out there? Possibly. But I suspect more people than just I would be interested in hearing how the office and warehouse side of things work as well, uh, as, the, uh, as well as the creative processes. On occasion at least. Uh, maybe I'm being optimistic and it's all dull as dishwater, which isn't really dull, uh, so much as grimy and unpleasant. Um, but I bet that there are some unsung heroes of Big Finish who deserve a spot of auditory limelight. Um, finally, I'd love to add my name to the petition to resolve the Sarah Jane cliffhanger. Uh, I listened to the whole range for the first time in the summer and finished it just the day before listening to your episode in which you put out the call. Maybe it doesn't warrant an, warrant an entire release so much as Sadie Miller uh, doing a cameo uh, in either role. Uh, or throw a line in Rani's new spin-off range. But as I say, I'm a completionist, a completion of it says here, and <laughs> I need my gaps plugging. Um, thank you so much for the spectacular work you do at Big Finish. Long live Stephen Noonan. All the best, Mark. Excellent. Yes, well, Stephen Noonan is very, uh, very, very healthy man. Never gets ill. Never. Uh, there we go. You see, he's going to outlive us all. We can't all be Stephen Noonan. There's only one. He might regenerate into Michael Troughton, though. Hey, hey, it's true. It's true. Um, well, uh, the trouble is with uh, getting interviews at all for the podcast, old chap Mark, is that um, really, <clears throat> I mean, this isn't interesting, but it is true. The way this podcast is done is that I get up early on a Friday morning and I write the script. And by about 11 o'clock, it's time to record it. And then I have to edit it after that. So basically, if anyone does an interview, they I don't I don't have any other time in my schedule to source interviews that I used to when I was less busy. I used to go to studio sessions, particularly to interview people for podcasts. You probably remember that. You remember that, Benji? I certainly do. I yeah. just say, oh, can you do an interview? You know, to Tom Baker, can you do an interview for the podcast? Well, no, yes. Yes, yes. That doesn't happen anymore because I'm just too busy to go out and do that. 
I mean, yeah, I was driving myself into the ground, really, with all that. So people have to basically turn up like Heather Challens, you know, by exec assistant and producer of many ranges. Um, she, she does it when we're actually doing the podcast and she comes online with us and records at her end and sends us the file. So basically, whoever we interview has to be able to record themselves and join us on Friday morning at 11 o'clock. And that's a bit difficult. Also, I'd say that the other thing is that with the people involved in the more behind-the-scenes stuff, unless I'm wrong and you're listening, folks out there, and you, you'd like to contradict me, which is fine, they don't really want to be interviewed. <laughs> I, I remember, you know, uh, when um, uh, Sue Cowley and uh, Ian Atkins first came on board, I... I Previously, I'd got David Richardson and uh, Paul Sprague in the office to do uh, podcasts. Now, come on, guys. And they were, and Dave was like, oh, I'm not doing that. But of course, he enjoyed it when he did it. And I did the same thing with Sue and Ian and thinking that I'd persuade them. Because to me, it's fun. You know, Benji, it's fun. Yeah, it's it? good laugh. It's good fun. Yeah. Good fun. But it's not, it's not everyone's bag. And they were, they were traumatized by it. And they said to me afterwards, please don't ever make us do that again. And they were serious. You know, so not everyone wants to come and have an interview or be involved. But if anyone from Big Finish is listening and wants to be, if Cheryl, if you want to come on the podcast, I'm up for it. But I've got a funny feeling you're going to say, "Bog off, Nick. I'm busy." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's it for the emails this week. Yeah, you thought they'd never end. Uh, once again, a uh, particularly lovely crop, I thought. Mm. Uh, and please do keep them coming. It's brilliant stuff. And if you haven't heard your email yet and are thinking, hang on, I wrote a particularly brilliant one, don't worry. I shall probably get to it very soon. Good old Postman Briggs. As it's customary for me to say at this point, the Randomoid Selectatron is firing up as we speak, readying itself to offer a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Unbelievably unbelievable value. Uh, we'll also be <laughs> teasing you with the first 15 minutes of the latest episode of Class. But before all that, it's time to rejoin the Alton's shenanigans in this week's very special Torchwood release out on Thursday the 26th of January. It's Double Two by Guy Adams. And we begin with a word from director Barnaby Edwards. Well, more than one word, actually. Hello, my name's Barnaby Edwards, and I'm the director of Torchwood Double. Now I come to think about it, it's almost as if I keep seeing the same faces over and over again. We're in the world of um, John le Carré, Frederick Forsyth. Um, it's very much uh, that whole world of duplicates and doubles and double agents, but obviously the whole invasion of the body snatchers, genuine doubles of people being replaced by autons. I can't even trust the face in the bathroom mirror. Hello, I'm Guy Adams, and I'm the writer of Tortured Double. The uh, historical background of, of the story, uh, the oil crisis, the, the energy crisis, is... Uh, I try not to get too bogged down in it. Obviously, it's, 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 it's essential to the problems our characters are facing. It, it, it you know... The world they are having to navigate is is entirely built on the back of these absurd situations and problems, uh, opportunities uh, in the UK's case. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that I knew enough that everyone acted in a way that they would have done. But for most listeners, all they need to know is 
It's getting terribly hard to keep our machinery running. My name's Louise Jameson and I'm playing Roberta. God, Roberta, you've got to slow down. It's exactly what I'm trying to do. The, the noise is getting worse, Patty. This is a part that gets your actor's juices going, definitely, because it's all there. She's got lost love. She's got, she's saving the world. She's uh, surrounded by politics. She's uh, anxious, uh, driven. So she covers an entire gamut of emotions. She's also very funny, uh, which I love, that she has this dry wit where it looks like she's just plopping a line in like a pebble in a pond, whereas in actual fact, she's constantly in the middle of a tsunami. I'm not a full slim, Roberta. None of us full copies are. Auton, I mean. I would quite like to spend time with her, I have to say. You'd have to probably do a lot of listening. I'm not sure how much of a conversation there'd be, um, but she would definitely be fun to be around, yeah. My inclination, I think, to begin with was to make her darker, really. More bitter, more, more complicated, harder to like. I wasn't wanting to write someone unpleasant. It was more an appreciation that I, th I think you could, if you were Roberta and had had her career, through MI5 and now, now Torchwood. Uh, I think it would be very understandable to end up somewhere where you would become hard to like. You would be the sort of person that people have to qualify. You know, she's very good at her job. I, I beg of you, don't kill me, please! No, don't be stupid. Dead people can't negotiate. And we need you to negotiate. I'm not killing you, I'm holding you down. Clunk. Clunk. A woman who has got to a position where Morality is really hard to find uh, because to live in, in that world, to work in that world, morality would be extremely hard to find. You know, and either you would become more obsessed with the somewhat black and white notion of, of, of good and bad, uh, and I think then you just snap because you couldn't function with that, that sort of obsession, or you get to a point where you give up on it entirely. It all becomes a sense of... I'm just going to have to move through the world uh, in a straight line and assume that the balance after all I do uh, will be for the better. I will have improved rather than broken. I'm Emma Lowndes and I'm playing Patty. Uh, Roberta, however difficult she may find morality, clearly carries a good deal of guilt, uh, which brings us wonderfully onto the subject of Patty. Uh, Roberta's confidant, Roberta's uh, conscience. Um, the relationship between those two, I hope, is 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 what allows a very difficult personality like Roberta's to remain on the side of light. Uh, rather than completely topple into a place that no one would want to go, either as a writer or as an audience. I think I think the relationship between Patty and Roberta is, is that's, the, that's the life raft that we, we navigate this story uh, within. That's the sound of a drunk waiting to show off. Darling, unless we accept that you're a real ghost and not just guilt and or the onset of a tumour, I shouldn't have to explain anything to you. Patty is a ghost and only um, Roberta can hear her 
So she was somebody that knew Roberta really well when she was alive. And in fact, Roberta's responsible for her death. I think she probably worked with her and their relationship was probably um, quite romantic and intimate when she was alive. That's what I would guess. Shouldn't have snapped. It's not the worst thing you've done to me. No. Well, I'm trying to play it not thinking about her as a ghost. I'm just trying to play it as if she was alive and there because I think that that's very much what she is for Roberta and I just want it to be as real as possible for Louise. Well, I'm playing it from Roberta's point of view. So, yes, I think Patty is a real ghost. Definitely. That she's genuinely got somebody to talk to. Now, you you could put me in a psychiatrist's chair and she may discover something different, but I think she's a very almost tangible presence in Roberta's life. God, what was... Look at me. Patty? I'm getting very worried about you. Not even midday and you're drinking. I'm bloody not! The floorboards are... Roberta! People who drink to excess uh, are doing so for, for reasons. Um... If you're unmedicated uh, as ADHD, it is possible, because everyone's brain makeup is different. I can only really speak from a slightly personal experience. Alcohol can be useful, because it can, it can bring down some of the faders. It, it, it's, it allows a degree of silence to creep in, which means a degree of calm and a degree of focus will begin to creep in. Uh, this is obviously, of course, a terrible idea. Uh, again, you find yourself in a situation uh, where the, the worst things in the, in the world can be going on and you go, I just need to have a little self-medicate. And there's a terrifying phrase. Uh, and I played with that uh, in, in the various drafts with Roberta because I knew inhabiting the world as she did, she would need to be able to try and numb certain areas. Just go to bigfinish.com and type double into the search pane at the top to find out what happens. Any minute now, we'll be dramatising you with the first 15 minutes of class, secret diary of a Rhodian prince. But first, it's... The Randomoid Selectatron, where we randomly select a Big Finish release and offer you a 25% discount on it. I'm really tempted to run this section at double speed. <laughs> yeah, just, just a mess. Just, for Mark, just a yeah. mess around. <laughs> um, well, this we one, on, we've got 249 Doctor Who, The Chameleon Empire. Oh, right. Okay, this wasn't that long ago, was it? No, 2019. With John Coleshaw playing uh, Chameleon. A really interesting piece of artwork there. Who's that by? It's very cool, Will isn't Brooks. it? There you go. Very, very cool. We've also got an alternative Chameleon uh, played by Christopher Naylor. Oh. And of course, all the goods brought to you by our 80s TARDIS team there. Peter Davison, Janet Fielding and Mark Strickson. Uh, so, you know, you just want to get involved. Should we have the trailer? Oh, I think we should. That's your home planet. Yes. It is known as Macalian. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, the Chameleon Empire. It must have been abandoned centuries ago. It's overgrown with weeds and vines and... Whatever this is, some sort of lichen. This world was once home to a species similar to your own, the Camille. The Camille? They created me and my kind. 
So what happened to them? I'm sorry. I didn't see it. Yeah, but I think they've seen us. What? Oh, yes! Run! 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 Psychokinetic interface restored. Chameleons reactivated. Well done, my little friend. You answered our call and restored us to life. Big finish. We love stories. There you go. Lovely stuff. Uh, well, while I uh, email Jackie Emery at bigfinish.com uh, to inform her of our random selection so that she can set the offer live on the bigfinish.com website, Benji, would you like to remind people of how to get this incredible 25% discount in the style of a banana? <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I guess I'm a banana. Uh, a That's sound, a brilliant banana It's, it's a very good one, isn't it? It's, it's not too bad. Could uh, you d- peel yourself as you go? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very painful doing that, very painful. Now, I sit on a tree, uh, and I go to bigfinish.com, you see. That's what I do in my spare time, really. I go to the podcast on the menu, you know, uh, underneath a picture of uh, the hosts who aren't bananas like me. I click read more. I, I can read sometimes. Just click here and then the code uh, back up, which uh, in banana means uh, put your trousers on, which is fun. <laughs> it's, a, it's a banana. You're nicked. You're nicked, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just uh, writing to, I'm being so put, I, I forgot to write the email to Jackie. <laughs> yeah, so it is an Oscar winning performance being a banana, you know, it's, uh, I don't like to get typecast. I've uh, been playing strawberries for many years now and, uh, you know, fancy's a change. We're still here. Yeah, sorry. I'm just sorry. saying to Jackie, sorry, I'm being distracted by Benji. By a banana. By, yeah. By writing this. You know, the, the average price of a banana. Benji, I'll is, put Benji being a banana. <laughs> being yeah. a banana. Thank you very oh, much yes. for acknowledging my bananese. Bananese. That's the secret yeah. language of the banana, you see. You uh, know, bananas are very significant in my family because my mum during the war, the Second World War, because of rationing, there were no bananas, and she absolutely craved bananas. Well, I can so imagine just, you would. It's just amazing for her to finally get one, I think. I once yeah. made a dessert um, from an old wartime uh, Ministry of Food thing, which was... Um, oh, yeah. Uh, so I think I've mentioned before, you use the... We're on the Benji and Nick show. Yeah, yeah you, make, uh, you make the... You basically shred a carrot into small... <laughs> like, it's almost like a cheese gratery thing. You shred the carrot, and then you get some apricot jam, or a jam of your choice, and kind of um, bathe the carrot in it for a while, and then take that lot and, and add it to your dessert of choice, whatever it... I can't remember what type of dessert it's it was now. It's fake bananas. It's yeah. fake... Yeah, it's, bananas. But it's like a kind of fake thing, but it but it really works. Just before we go, Nick, so I know that we're at the tail end of this podcast do you want to know a banana fact yes i do so you know when you eat um banana flavored sweets yes like the chewy banana things and they don't really taste like bananas not really no well they do taste like bananas what however yes so when when these the formula for this banana tasting sweets was conjured up there was a different species of banana which is now extinct so the taste that was around presumably in the 50s or 60s when these banana 
flavoured sweets was around. It does taste like banana, but those bananas don't exist anymore. So we actually have a gateway into a banana that, that no longer... So that's we can like no longer banana t- time machines, those sweets. It really is. It's a, it's a true fact. Good there. Lord, I love that. What were those bananas called? Kevin. Oh, I can't remember what. Do you know what they were? They had a specific banana sweets. Well, while called? you're looking that out, I'd just like to say thanks, Ran, for that bumper phone banana. Sorry, a what? A bumper phone banana. A bumper phone. It says here, original bumper foam bananas. You can buy bumper a five hundred gram bag, half a kilogram for eight pounds. Yeah, but I mean the bananas that the flavour's based on. What oh, are they called? Carry on, I'll find out. Okay. Anyway, thanks, Ran. Lovely choice there. Uh, In next week's podcast, we'll be looking at Doctor Who Short Trips Volume 12 and a bumper release of stories featuring the eras of the 3rd, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th and 12th Doctors and narrators including Dan Starkey and John Coleshaw. And he's playing the 3rd Doctor and the Brigadier. Benji, I was going to ask you what we should be chatting about next week. I've got a funny feeling it might still be bananas. <laughs> it's, it's, well, there are people out there, some saying that this that banana fact is, in fact, a myth. Others saying it is not. Uh, so who actually knows? It um, sounds like a myth to me. It, it, yeah, I mean, speaking as a banana, I would say <laughs> it's, it's very difficult to find out what we taste like because we're not cannibals. I think you've created um, the greatest podcast character of them all. <laughs> the banana. Just, just hanging in the tree, having a nice time. It reminds time. me a little bit of a voice I did for Strontium Dog when we still had the rights to 2018. It was called Six Squid. <laughs> and they spoke like this. He enjoys like that. Squirting ink from his pituitary gland. That's a great, it's a great voice for you, isn't it? Because it's caught of... It's, it's, if you think too much about it, it becomes harder. Um, yeah. I used to have a barber who spoke like that. His name was Ernie Spicagna. What a name, Spicagna. Yeah, and he also, he used to be Tommy Steele and Benny Hill and Tommy Cooper's barber as well, so he claimed. Cool, that's a, that, is a good, that is a good barber to have, isn't it, really? You know, you, you know you're onto a winner there. Thanks again for listening. Um, oh, no, we haven't talked about what we're going to do next week. No, I, ha- I did that while you were... Yeah, I suppose it is just bananas, isn't it? Oh, yeah, well... I'm- yeah, you see what I mean. What are we going to talk about next week? Yeah, are we going to talk? We don't know what we're going to talk about next week. Why not write in and tell us what to talk about next week, folks? Good idea. Very good idea. Well, in the meantime, thanks again, everybody, for listening. Just time for me to say this. As usual, the Big Finish podcast is presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Nick Briggs. He also wrote, produced, and edited it. And both Benji and I did this for the love of stories. I was meant to read that out as well. You just did that. <sighs> fail, fail, epic. And finally on the Big Finish podcast, Class, Secret Diary of a Rhodian Prince by the rather wonderful Blair Mowat. Here be the chronicles of Rhodian royalty. My intrepid reader, I have travelled to a far distant land, far beyond any of our imaginations. I know not what awaits me on this barren, uncivilised concrete jungle, but this diary will serve as a document of the Rhodian Prince's adventures on planet Earth. A powerful god named the Doctor entrusted me to survey this alien race, placing me in one of their educational institutions to create this important report on their behaviour. Oh, that's not
working. It's maybe a little, um, pompous? Uh. Dear reader, just mere days ago, my family, my friends, and my subjects were brutally killed in cold blood by a species called the Shadowkin. I stand with the responsibility of being the last survivor of my race, the Prince of Rhodia. My family, all of my friends and all my subjects were savagely murdered within minutes. I sit here writing this diary with the deepest guilt, for I was the sole Rhodian saved by a mysterious figure who travels through time and space. Since arriving on this cold and dark planet, I've barely left my room. Every time I close my eyes, I'm back on Rhodia, running past my people, screaming in agony as the shadow consumes them and tears through the... Oh, God, that's depressing. But it is depressing. That's what actually happened. Okay. Dear reader, I'm not sure who this diary is for, but I suspect, like most diaries, it's for, well, me. I haven't written a journal in years, but back on my home planet of Rhodia, Master Tandrith taught us about journaling as a way to release our feelings, something I've not historically been very good at. The problem is I feel nothing right now, just numb, which then does make me feel something, guilt. The most horrible thing just happened to me, and now I'm supposed to go into a school of aliens and smile, joke, and try desperately to find a way to fit in. <laughs> but the doctor said it would take a while, a while to fit in, to feel normal again after, well, after everyone died. He said he'd been through it himself, the extinction of his own race. I wonder if that's why he saved us. He didn't really hang around to explain. I'm calling this The Secret Diary of a Rhodian Prince, because that's exactly what this is. I'd probably get locked up if anyone on this planet read this, but I don't have anyone to talk to right now. Well, at least not anyone that would understand. So, my name was Charloth, but from now on I'll be known as Charlie Smith, and this is the story of my time on Earth. Chapter 1. Relocation. Every Rhodian gone within minutes. Except, are they gone? Because, as legend would have it, all of my people, every Rhodian soul in the land, are behind the doors of a box sitting in my bedroom right now. The Cabinet of Souls. An ancient relic of our race. It's been cited in folklore over centuries as a powerful weapon, fueled by the souls of Rhodians who have passed away. Nobody was sure if the myth was true, but it was always under constant watch, and to interact with it was forbidden. The doctor parked his TARDIS right beside the cabinet, and just before he flew away, he motioned towards it, as if to say, Take it. 
So, I opened the doors, and when I looked inside, I, I saw something. Uh, a light, or a soul? <laughs> and now I'm afraid to check again, because what if whatever was in there could only survive on Rodia? What if, by bringing it here, we killed it? <sighs> it's been hard here so far. I don't know how to move forward, how to grieve my people. There's no funeral, no vigil. No one here cares or knows about Rodia. And still the numbness continues. I haven't cried or screamed or punched the wall in frustration. Nothing. I guess it just takes time. Chapter 2 a new life begins. So, what next? Uh, I suppose I'd better tell you a little bit about my new life. We're staying in a house the doctor owns, or will own. He kept getting his tenses mixed up. By we, I mean Andrath. She was the only other person the doctor saved. She's a war criminal of the quill species. And as punishment, she now acts as my protector. The house is... Horrible. I don't know how much the doctor knew about me, and I'm thankful that he saved my life, but the accommodation he's given us is incredibly cramped. Even the servants on Rodia had bigger rooms than this. My palace back home was made of white, glistening stone with high, ornate ceilings. My family had countless staff who cooked our meals and washed our clothing every day. Here we have to find our own food. So Andrath has gone to find some with plastic money the doctor gave us. The only thing edible in the house when we arrived was four bags of something called Jelly Babies. A sickly sweet, brightly coloured earth delicacy. If this is what the humans eat, then I fear this world has a very unsophisticated palate. I went for a walk today. First time I've left my room. And it was... bizarre. On Rodia, I'm famous. A revered member of the royal family. I could barely leave my chambers without being accosted. Here, people shove into me without saying sorry, and strangest of all, most people ignore me. They look right through me like I'm nobody. That has never, ever happened to me. Not once. Not only have I lost my people, but I have no status, no wealth, and no staff. My life has completely changed overnight. Andrath and I have barely spoken. On Rodia, people always wanted to talk to me. I actually had to find excuses to get away. Normally, when I needed advice, I would have spoken to Gorel. He used to write my speeches for me on Rodia, but now I'll never speak to him ever again. He's the one I miss the most right now. He was like a father to me. More than my father was, to be honest. Anyway, I'd better get some sleep. I think this diary is helping. I'll try and write again tomorrow after school. Chapter 3. First day of school. Well, that was weird. Humans are... weird. And Mr. Armitage, the headmaster, assigned me one of the strangest of all to show me around. Bobby Snellgrove. He spent the whole day talking about something called superheroes. There's this crack team of humans with special powers that save everyone from alien invasions, and they film them doing it every few months, and then everyone goes to watch them on these screens around the world. At least, I... I think? 
I think that's how he explained it. Bobby talks very fast. I wish we'd had these people to save us from alien invasions. At least this new world seems well protected if the shadow can ever find us. Education on Earth is very different from Rhodia. There are a lot of people in each class, and no one pays attention. Everyone is constantly trying to play pranks on each other, even on the teacher. One of the kids, Ram, had this fart machine that he hid behind the teacher's chair. Every time he pressed the remote, it sounded like Mr. Simpson excreted gas. This was a huge source of amusement for the entire classroom. The problem is, I didn't realise it was a prank, and just thought everyone in this culture finds farting hilarious, so I... Well, I... I farted, too. Which did make everyone laugh, but then people made fun of me? On Rodia, I was always, Your Highness. But on my first day of school here, I was... Fart Boy. A lot of human humour seems to involve passing wind or going to the toilet. By the time Mr Simpson found the device, the lesson was over, and I'm not sure anyone learned anything. <clears throat> but anyway, the objective of these teenage schoolchildren seems to be to do whatever they can to minimise their learning, despite the fact the rest of their lives seems to be determined by tests on how well they have learnt each topic. It's a fight of the intellect where everyone pretends not to care about the outcome, but secretly, everyone is competing with each other all over the country. Dear reader, it is utterly bizarre. The worst thing about today was when Bobby Snellgrove was showing us around, we travelled in what they called a lift. I was only in there for about 30 seconds, but there were six of us and I could barely move, which set off my claustrophobia. I suddenly felt my chest tightening and... Before I knew it, I was having one of my panic attacks. The best thing about today, though, was whilst that was happening, I met a boy. A very attractive boy. <laughs> he pushed past Bobby and came up to me after I ran out of the lift to try and help. At first, I didn't notice him there, but then I heard him say, Are you okay? I... No, no, I... Hi. You need a paper bag. What? A paper bag. It's what they do in the movies. You breathe into it, and it calms you down. I don't know why. I, uh, I imagine it's returning more carbon dioxide into the human bloodstream, which uh, in turn would force it to balance out your oxygen distribution. I, it wouldn't necessarily work for everyone. Hmm. You're not like other people in this school. Wait, no. Yes, I am. I'm, I mean, I, I'm from Shuffled. I have never heard of this, Shuffled. Uh, it's in the north. Uh-huh. I'm Mateusz. Mateusz. Very good. Most people don't say that right first time. Hmm. You briefing normally again. I am. Thank you. I'm Charlie, by the way. I'm new round here. First day. <laughs> I was new here. But now you're new here, I'm not new anymore, so thank you. No one likes being the new boy. You're right, mate. What's that? Some sort of panic attack? You look a little bit pale, mate. Listen, do you mind if I go ahead? We're going to be late for English, and Mr. Wilco gave me a detention last time I turned up after the bell. Uh, it looks like I have to go, but thank you for the... Uh Distraction. Happy to distract any time. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
In your own time, mate, yeah? Bye, new boy. Bye. And then he walked away. And there was just something about him. He felt like an outsider. Like he didn't quite fit in here either. Perhaps he's an alien too? Hmm. I wonder if we're the only aliens in Coal Hill, or if the Doctor brought others. How many of us are there here? Chapter 4. Shoreditch. So, I've been spending a lot of time on the Humans Worldwide Connected Database. It's similar to ours, but with a lot more animal and baby videos. If you can wade your way through those, there's a lot to learn about this species. One thing that's been puzzling me, though, is why the Doctor dropped us off in Shoreditch. You see, this world is full of amazing places. The orange-tinged sunsets of Africa remind me a bit of Rhodia, and the tropical rainforests look a lot more like bits of our planet than this place does. Shoreditch is grey, cold, and full of vehicle fumes. Their database says it's overrun by hipsters, which it seems to indicate are another species. Shoreditch seems to have special qualities that attract them, so they flocked here, almost to the point of overrunning it. They sound a bit like the quill, to be honest. Water doesn't seem to have broken out yet, but there's definitely tension. For example, they love to congregate around something called brunch, and apparently this can make it very hard for the humans to eat on Sundays. And they're all very angry that they now have to pay more for their homes than they used to. Hmm. I caught myself thinking a lot more about the boy I met yesterday. Mateusz. I think he's in my physics class tomorrow. Unfortunately, physics is taken by Andrath, who is becoming more insufferable by the day and loves to embarrass me in front of the other children. She found out about Fart Boy and won't stop calling me it, which isn't exactly what you want in front of the boy you have a crush on. Anyway, signing off for now so I can try and get some rest. My bed here is much smaller than Rodia, but I'm starting to get used to it, I think. Chapter 6. Andrath. I realised I haven't really told you the full story about Andrath. That was her name on Rodia. But the Doctor gave her a new name as part of our cover, Andrea Jones. 